See, that's it. I can only do Texas. I can't do New Orleans. Oh, say. Garbage film. This is the show that seeks to prove that every in trashy movies have a lot in common. You don't need to enjoy just one or the other. So we will take our movie of the week, pair it with something either artier or trashier, and uh, hope that you discovered an unexpected new favorite, or at the very least, we entertain you. I am one of your hosts, Nick, and with me, as always, is the honeyed southerner to my whatever Trooper Wagner is. Aaron is here. Hi, Aaron. Hi. How you doing? Oh, sorry. No, I don't have something with this. <laughs> I hesitated putting it as like she's gonna think that I'm gonna force her to do a voice. <laughs> good evening. That's pretty good. Not even close. I like it. It's, Thank wor- you. it's working for me. Well, Trooper Wagner is a big fan of uh, of Daniel Craig in That's, this. So. That is true. Hanging on his every word. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you may have guessed what movie we're talking about. It's the first episode of Fall, so we chose the most Fall movie that has occurred in recent memory, and that is of course 2019's Knives Out. We understand the night of his demise, the family have gathered to celebrate your father's 85th birthday. How was it? The party? Pre my dad's death? Oh, it was great. The family is truly desperate. When people get desperate, the knives come out. This is a twisted web. We are not finished untangling it. Not yet. Knives out. Leaving room for applause. People <laughs> clattering their knives together. <laughs> it's gonna be really funny when this turns into like a Rocky Horror style thing where you just throw knives at the screen whenever like the murderer is on screen or whatever. You bring your cutlery drawer with you to yeah, rattle it. <laughs> Every time Benoit Blanc speaks. <laughs> It's what he deserves. No, I'm just kidding. No, we love him. It is a very fall movie. The chill of fog and pumpkins is in the air. Mm. People be dressing. They've got their sweaters out. They're mm-hmm. getting their sweaters out. Yeah, it, f- it does feel early fall. Like I, yes. We know what the midst of fall feels like. We're starting to get a little bit of frost on the ground. We're not there yet. The no. colors are changing. But it's no longer just... You can't just like walk home at night in the same outfit that you had on during the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The the nights are colder than the days. And I mean, part of this for us is it's... Uh, this is supposed to be in... Ooh, I wish I knew where. Massachusetts? Probably, New right? Like upstate New York. Yeah. Or like, yeah. Which is pretty close uh, longitudinally to us here in That's true. Toronto. Yeah. So... There you go. Here we are. It's peak Toronto weather. People get to yes. wear sweaters. It's the time that Toronto's nice. It's not too hot and it's not too cold. <laughs> it occurs for about three weeks. A murder happens and... <laughs> Knives Out. Directed and written by Ryan Johnson. We were lucky enough to see the sequel at TIFF this year. So that's yes. one of the reasons I know this is on our mind. So this first one, Ryan Johnson is... He, he's a cool guy. If you've seen not his other movies, I recommend you do see them. <laughs> Impeccable instructions. No one could be confused by that. <laughs> Perfect. It's a little mystery. Um, but his first movie was Brick, which was like a noir mystery, and he's just like a big mystery head. Yeah, yeah. apparently so. You wouldn't. I, I feel like the big one is the Last Jedi, Jedi in terms of like the one peop, most, or Never the heard of most it. What's people. Never heard What's that one? <laughs> Don't you start with this? <laughs> uh, so it is just funny from like 
oh, you were handed a Star Wars and like, you know, you have to follow a certain formula, blah, 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 to just whatever Ryan Johnson feels like doing (laughs) is a lot of fun. So, yeah. Which he was a big Agatha Christie guy, which is very obvious in here. I only know the big hits of Agatha Christie stuff, but... I don't know that I've ever read an Agatha Christie book. I've ever. seen a few movies, that's it. I feel like I've <laughs> seen the Wishbone version of one uh, of them. Yeah. Like, that's that's about as classic literature as I was growing up. Yeah, and I know you've seen Murder on the Orient Express because yes. we... That Belgian accent... If that's indeed what it was, yes. He's carrying on a, a very storied tradition of yes. what the fuck accent is that supposed Which is to be? exactly on purpose. Uh, well, is it really? Much, oh, yeah. He, like, <laughs> Lovely. He, I, looking at what he set out to write initially is funny, because he like his notes go back to like 2008 or something, because oh, he well. just really loved Agatha Christie movies, so he's not movies, books and adaptations. And thereof. But he was just like taking notes. I'm like, I want to do this thing and that thing and this thing. And he wanted to make an American Poirot. So that's mm. who Mr. Blanc is here. Is Belgium to the rest of Europe as, like, Kentucky is to... Like, what's the... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's the one where you can just be like, I'm pretty sure no one's going to call me on this accent? Uh, I think that's just New Orleans-ish. Okay. <laughs> that's. I think that's what... Because the very great thing here is that the stage direction, like the written script version of what Benoit Blanc's voice would be is, and I quote, speaks with a subtle southern accent. Oh, no. <laughs> and that was in 2008, and since then... Yep, here we are. <laughs> so, like, the other major inspiration for this, which I wouldn't have known, and now I want to watch, is there's a 1970s movie starring Laurence Olivier and Michael Caine called Sleuth. Oh, neat. By Directed by Mr. Mank himself. <laughs> Mr. Mank. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, perfect. Uh, Oh, that's cool. I would love to watch that now because it seems like it's very Clue-ish, but... I feel like the risk you run making mystery movies today is that a lot of the fundamental stuff about the genre happened in, like, the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so now it just feels, like, trite to do... Oh, no, no, the twist was, like, obvious. You know what I mean? It, it It would be hard, so kudos to him for barreling through because it is genuinely very interesting. I like that you... The way you put that, too, because that's... There's two things, like, going back to rewatch this, there's, like, two things I knew about this whole movie. Sure. Because uh, after watching it the first time, just a, a delight in theaters to yes. just stumble into. But just reading up on it at the time, Johnson had said that, like, he had that exact problem where he's like, oh, I can't write a mystery because it's either going to be a campy fuck around yeah. or it's going to be self-serious and no one will like it. No, like, it's those were two options. <laughs> Um, but he's like, it's because every mystery is trying to just make an Agatha Christie thing. They weren't period pieces. They were like fiercely contemporary to the point of like, mm. there's a lot of them that just don't hold up. Cause you're like, what political point is happening here? I don't get it. <laughs> Why is it a plot point that that guy has the same name as the current prime minister or yeah, whatever? <laughs> there'd be like a reveal line. Like he was a Huguenot all along. And you'd be like, what the fuck? Are Excuse you? me. <laughs> Whereas audiences at the time are like banging their shoes on the chairs and screeching. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> so he wanted to make the, this is the like, and I I love this is the one of the reasons I love this and it works for me so hard is it is just I feel like one of the critiques I saw, see a lot about it still is just like oh it's so online and internet talking and stuff I'm like no it's specifically trying to capture the exact moment in twenty eighteen nineteen yeah of what's going on and that's 
I'm glad you said that about, again, have not read Agatha Christie, so perhaps I'm not qualified to do this episode in particular. Oh, but... neither of us are. <laughs> neither of us are qualified for anything. But, yeah, in the, in that case, obviously. Yeah. yeah it's, it's perfectly like, oh, they had to ruin it with like a reference to Twitter or whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's going to be weird if you don't. I don't know. Yeah. And not, not to spoil it entirely. or <gasps> it, No, like, uh, no spoilers for... Are we gonna? Are we okay with that for Glass Onion? Yeah, yeah. No spoilers okay. <laughs> for Glass Onion. In this, we will talk in inc- incredibly general terms. Yes, but. it's just it's set after the first Knives Out, yeah. and it it exists in the timeline. So there's just like people have moved on, and whatever the the current thing of the moment is in the zeitgeist, yeah. that is that is part of Glass Onion. And yeah, it, it would be because you're seeing it now. It yeah. doesn't have to be like. Perfectly, I love that. I that's that's so great. Yeah, you're experiencing right now. It should reflect you right now. Yeah, he, if it's going to be that true to the source material. <laughs> the thing that sticks out in my brain is that he's talking about how there's all this effort in movie making and such. And part of this, I think, is because it takes him so long to make a movie that it should be a timeless or relatively timeless type thing. I mean, I get the instinct. Yes. Yeah. Whereas he's like, oh, I went into this to make the most timely and fastest aging thing in the world <laughs> we're like even going back to watch it right now is like oh yeah i remember a oh, lot of those wow i know like when they're well i mean like a lot of years are in one year the, mm-hmm. these days you know but, but all the yeah all the veiled like conservative talk about like oh he just tells it like it is he's an asshole yeah. he's not politically correct like all of the online nazi talk and all yeah. that it's just like when you would like hear yeah. people say sjw out loud in seriousness yeah. and now you look back on that and you're like oh boy <laughs> it was like slightly cringeworthy at the time and now it's just no, like it's, oh my god uh, yeah but it it's for character reasons yeah exactly I think I, it's not for like it, yeah you're you're trying to paint a very fast picture of a character so that you get these like okay that's that guy that's that guy like the characters there are so many it's Mm -hmm. a big ensemble and you have to paint people very quickly but very accurately so that the the plot kind of bounces off of their personalities appropriately and yeah that's we all know who those people are oh yes it works yeah so good i'm glad that we both like the time capsule aspect of it i i had no feelings on it one way or the other i was like yeah it's a movie made in 2019 what are you gonna do (laughs) but knowing that like he's specifically riffing on agatha christie novels being like very contemporary great no notes yeah it's nice nice uh to go back to the accent though because (laughs) you gotta talk about Uh, it it's great yes (laughs) apparently he is doing his like inspiration for the voice daniel craig like worked on the voice himself and brought it to ryan johnson was like how about this (laughs) i don't know what this word means (laughs) subtitle uh but his voice is based on novelist and historian shelby foote who most would know as the i believe he's the narrator for the ken burns civil war documentaries and stuff okay so like shelby foote is a real like 1890s ass name (laughs) was expecting him to be dead but okay sure he's uh, maybe now potentially, but um, certainly he has a lot of his voice recorded. Okay. So, but uh, everybody thought he was just doing Foghorn Leghorn or Harlan Pepper, which is Christopher Guest's character from Best in Show. Oh yeah, totally. And everyone was like, "Oh, fucking Christopher Plummer's first name is Harlan. This is all just references uh... to Best in Show." <laughs> You're just like, no. Another great ensemble movie. Just yeah, which yeah. let's talk. It's got Daniel Craig. He's mm-hmm. great. And I thought for sure this is one of those like, oh, he's the big movie star. They built it around him. No, he got cast in it when the, oh fuck, I can't remember what Bond film. No Time to Die, I guess? 
was Maybe. it got delayed for like a year or something like that, and oh. Daniel Craig was free, so Ryan Johnson was like, "You want to be in a movie and play a silly detective? <laughs> you want to do something right now?" Oh, that's so funny. And okay. he was like the anchor that all the people who otherwise wouldn't have looked at the script were like, "Well, Daniel Craig's in this." Well, I mean, we were Daniel Craig crazy. <laughs> Daniel Craigsy. Craigsy? (laughs) Absolutely not. Moving on. Uh, Chris Evans, uh, which, like, why is he not playing more Uh, assholes and stuff? He's so good at it. It's it's... tragic that he's been pinholed as this, like, clean-cut dude. He's so good in everything where he is the worst. Like this and Snowpiercer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. God damn it. (laughs) So good. (laughs) And he's, like, a magnificent actor, and I don't think he gets enough room to do that yeah you know doesn't get to show off his range no (laughs) he's got another side of the spectrum here guys and it's jerk (laughs) the jerk store called (laughs) they need more chris evans um i was just gonna the the line that will stick with me forever is him at one point don johnson who's also in this cast and wonderful says son and he turns the camera and goes father (laughs) it's just so So serious the brow furrowing he's such a dick it's great uh you got anna diarmez i never pronounced her name correctly but there she is she plays meek very well in this which is like the only role of that that i've seen her do everything else she's always like (laughs) like brash and and like yeah i mean i guess uh, arguably blade runner where she's just programmed to be helpful, but it's a different yeah. sort of energy. Yes. It's like helpful, but with confidence. Yes, she's to... nervous in this. Yes, yeah. all the time. And just like such a good job of her wardrobe is so like, uh, <laughs> yeah. my sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone dresses so good in this. Everyone, it's just pick your mood today. Just come, you know, right out of the lookbook. Lookbook, I like that. That's good. <laughs> Um, Jamie Lee Curtis is great. I just want to say I was watching some Q&As with people and they're a very charming cast altogether. Uh, it seems Surprising like nobody. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, when asked how she became part of the cast for this, quote, I took Quaaludes in 1976 and I haven't remembered a single thing since. <laughs> <laughs> Jamie, honey. <laughs> <laughs> laughing about it. She's having a good time. She's like, but then people will be like, follow up, but like, what? But really? You, oh, I, I don't remember. I have no idea. <laughs> What an interesting answer to give now of all times. Okay. Speaking well, good for her. of great deliveries, Michael Shannon is there, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, Lakeith Stanfield, Catherine Langford, Jaden Martell, Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer, shout out Canadian yeah. legend. Yeah. And Noah, Noah Segan as mm. our trooper friend. Yes. Is his name Trooper or is that his rank? Is he a... <laughs> no, I, I think that he's, he's a state trooper. State, yeah, okay. Yeah. I kept the, I think his name is Trooper. <laughs> Trooper Wagner. It, it fits so perfectly to me. What is that fucking show? Walker, Texas Ranger. Yes. Te- okay. Ra- someone Texas uh, Ranger Walker. Whatever Walk, is it? Walker, it right? Texas yeah, Walker, Ranger. Texas okay, Ranger. good, good, good. Which of those words is the name of the person? See, I've seen episodes of this, okay. so I know it's Walker. He's a Texas Ranger. Oh, Walker, colon, colon. Texas Ranger. Ranger. What's his first name? Uh, 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 Trooper. <laughs> All right, anyway. That's... Couldn't think of anything good. No, right. <laughs> that's what it reminded me of. He's also Chastity. in Glass Onion. Chastity is... Walker. <laughs> good for him. That's worth it. Okay, sorry, go on. No, no. It's... <laughs> I like you declaring your own joke worth it. <laughs> okay. 
Noah Segan is also in Glass Onion. He's yes. Very, very funny. He's he's in every Ryan Johnson thing. Yes, That's his, this like, is the gag, right? His yeah. little guy. Yeah. His little buddy. What was he in Brick? I know um, he was like a drug addict in Looper or something, right? Oh, maybe um, he wasn't in Brick. Maybe that's a... There's a lot of people in Brick. He's probably yeah. in there. Doesn't matter. <laughs> Squished in there. Yeah. <laughs> with a tiny Jogo. So tiny. <laughs> and of course, his cousin is doing the music, Nathan Johnson. Nice. Good stuff. Yeah. It's good music. It's very... I don't know how to describe it other than just like mystery novel. Yeah. I really don't... Like, that's not a genre, <laughs> but, no, but it is now. This is going to be among the dumbest things I say. I'm so excited. It's like a chamber mystery. Sure. And the compositions are chamber music, <laughs> which is the definition of like, you know, small ensemble stuff. So that's something. I really hate to break it to you, but that's far from the dumbest thing you've ever said. Oh, no. I'm so sorry. Was no, it that's the great. Chastity Walker thing? Was it, that? it was pretty close, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> even in this episode, not even the dumbest thing you've said. No, that makes total sense, though. It is, oh, it's like, you know, it's the feeling of turning the page between chapters. Yeah. That's what this, like, this music captures. And it is this very, like, contained, it feels like this movie could almost, could be a play, maybe. Yeah, And yes. so it's the the pit orchestra, you know? It's just <laughs> a, a chamber, like a string quartet. Well, yeah, that, that's... I agree with that completely. I didn't think of, of that as, like, accompanying a play. Because the mm. opening... When I think of the music, I literally only think of the opening. Yeah. Which is uninterrupted slow motion, dogs running. Yeah. And that great string quartet coming Set out. Set the scene yeah. as hell. Yeah. Feels very, like, uh, on track. Take your seats, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> which is good. We open on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, of course, he did the music for Glass Onion, too. Uh, yes. And I think that it's my favorite of his work, Glass Onion. Glass Onion? Yeah. Oh, wow. I, I don't really remember it. I'll have I don't to... know, too, but I also don't remember the music for Knives Out, and we've just watched it, so... <laughs> oh, I, I still have it stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll just have to go back and see it I in su- theaters. I suppose we shall. I will keep my Glass Onion opinions till we... We'll have a little... We'll segue. ...little box it. for onions at the end. <laughs> the onion crate. <laughs> Nice. Uh, just grab one out of there, bite into it like an apple. Oh my mm. god, you psycho. Uh, I talked about the writing. I really like... So, I am so impressed with the idea that somebody can write a mystery and have it not be really hacky. Yeah, hacky or self-serious, yeah. like you said. Yeah. But the thing that I love, and this is... I go back like five minutes and I had said that there was two things I knew about uh, uh, the writing of this. One sure. of them was the Time Castle thing. The other was... Ryan Johnson saying, like, yeah, you can't support a, who, a whodunit through a full runtime. It's impossible. Right. <laughs> so his plan was act one is all set up. And, I mean, it's a lot of friggin' setup. Like, I... Yeah. The editing and, obviously, the performances and the jokes and the timing of it all is so great. And if it weren't perfect, it would be such a slog. <laughs> no, I totally agree. It is... It's just people talking and you're meant to, like, start keeping track of these relationships and like yes i know that's what a movie is but like <laughs> it's it's so it's literally the whole conceit is that everyone is just telling you their version of the story and yeah. that could so easily be boring oh my god yeah yeah, yeah. no like, you're right I, everyone seems like they're having the time of their fucking life which i think <laughs> is a real a real plus probably part of it yep yeah like when you think of like just literally a person talking to camera not exciting cinematically you yep. have in flashbacks and that's it has such a negative 
storytelling connotation of like feeling lazy it feels or, yeah yeah but it is the that is the scenario is someone it's not someone talking to try and inform the audience it's someone talking trying to you're watching them try to fool the detectives yeah that's right so there is that element of like wait but your husband said like you you, you get to do some of that detective work mm-hmm. as you're sitting there so you do become engaged it's not just okay i'm meant to take everything at face value great let's <laughs> let's get through this well, you get to be the detective a little bit you already said the r word earlier but everything is very rashomon did uh, i say rashomon yeah you did yeah i don't remember it I, like that I, either that or i imagined you saying it so i'm gonna go with that <laughs> okay. um but he, the the like presenting, saying out loud something, and then showing that it's not true. Yeah, all that all that stuff. Uh, that's a real Ryan Johnsony thing too. And I think also in every one of his movies, there's some element mm. of that. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, that's this is one of those things of like as we were watching it the other day, I was thinking about the rest of his movies that he's done. It's just like oh yeah, it's really remarkably consistent. He loves that stuff that he works with. <laughs> well, it's such a. It's the basis of the movie making is like, can you imagine when the unreliable narrator thing came to Mm. cinema? Like, obviously a literary device, but just the first person to film that must have felt like a god. Like, I fucking got you. You're just used to seeing what can and does happen. Yeah. And here we are. Like, maybe it was Rush. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? But like, no, that seems so late. But, you know. I don't know. People were pretty blown away by it. Like, (laughs) I mean, yeah, sure. yeah, Yeah. Could be. Could uh, honestly be that, but that that just seems like so, if if you're gonna be a filmmaker, how could you not love that? Yeah, exactly. But it could be so bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, it's just something that we've seen so much now, mm. and and so hacky, right? Where it's yeah. like oh, the twist is that they weren't all telling the truth. <laughs> like, how yeah, look at these fuck ups. Of yeah. course, they're not all telling the truth. Look at what they're wearing. Yeah, <laughs> except Jamie Lee Curtis, oh, she's dressed impeccably. <laughs> She might be the only person I don't hate in this. Like, I don't yeah. actively hate and loathe. <laughs> yeah. In a good way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, if you met them in real life. I'm running you know? through them, and the, I would have the same kind of reaction, like, ah, eh, rich white lady. And I would still be like, yeah, yeah, but you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so act one. Act one is yes. all set up. All, here's everything. Here's the elements of a mystery. Yeah. Act two becomes... Uh, in his words, it's a Hitchcock thriller. That's sure you. It's no longer a whodunit. Who gives a shit? That's not important. We're <laughs> dealing with the the thriller aspect, and then Act Three is the wrap up, obviously. Yeah. Um, but the here's here's a, a little quote from Mr. Johnson: "Remove the burden of knowing the killer at the outset." That was his like first rule. Yeah. Because um, he wanted the to remove the pressure from the audience of trying to keep track of stuff. So you're just like, oh yeah, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that way it becomes an emotional journey as opposed to just following plot threads. Totally. Which I agree with that. I... And it makes the it makes the thriller part so much more Hitchcocky, where yeah. it is like, oh my god, is she gonna get found out? Like, how can she stay out of this? And and you know, knowing just enough to really feel the, yeah. the pain. Which I like how you put that exactly because he said that his goal was to turn the to to have the antagonist of the movie be the tropes of a mystery. That like you're <laughs> like, oh, I know that she killed this guy but I want her to get away okay. Yeah. <laughs> this thing of like, but we know she's going to get found out because that's how mysteries work. Yeah. But you're like... And you can't really root against Benoit Blanc for it. Like, he's just doing his job. Like, it's yeah. it's good that he's trying to figure it out and want to help and whatever. So, yeah, it's a very interesting... Like, there's so much more tension because you know who the killer is. It's yeah. great. Oh, yeah, we were just talking about this the other... Yesterday, where 
unrelated stuff where it's like when a movie sets out to tell you what is going to happen in the movie. <laughs> yes. This is because we went to see how to blow up a pipeline. <laughs> My new favorite movie. That it's the best. Um, and <laughs> yeah, the director was there and he was like, yeah, so I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like they blow up a pipeline, but it is just sort of like, are they going to make it? Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's really funny. Oh, the he was t- talking about a man escaped, yeah. right? Like says a man escaped in the title past tense even, but you spend the whole movie going, Oh my God, is he going to escape? <laughs> Which I think is very cute. But yeah, I we've talked about this before yeah. with spoilers, right? Yeah. Is that weird? I was going to prompt you to talk about that, yeah. Oh, just that that um, if you know, like spoilers, far from ruining your experience of the movie, um, they can actually enhance your enjoyment, d- depending on what the spoiler is and what the movie is, yeah. but uh, because you're eager to see how and why it plays out. Yeah. You're looking forward. You know the end point. And so you're more invested in how we're going to get to that end point. You know what I mean? Yeah. And kind of to relating that back to Knives Out here, I feel mm-hmm. like, and obviously I don't know because I did, this wasn't the case for me, but I feel like if you were told the end result of like, oh, he, you know, spoilers for Knives Out, I guess. You're <laughs> listening to a podcast episode. About the it. first one only. Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, you, know, you know, I don't need to get into it. But, like, if you're told who who the killer is and, like, the, the final plot details, that, like, when you're starting the movie, it does seem so unrelated that I would, I feel like I'd just be like, but how does... How does right. Ransom get to there, and how does this happen? But why is he like that in this scene? Ooh, what's he doing? Oh, he's manipulating, like, that kind yeah. of... You've got that extra knowledge that the characters don't have in the good way, not in yes. the way that you feel like the characters you're dealing with are idiots. It's the bomb on the bus thing, right? Where you know there's a bomb in that fucking box, <laughs> and you need the kid to get the fuck off the bus. <laughs> but things keep happening. Yeah. 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 I We talked about this ever so slightly, but I want to get your take on the fact that I already said it's a chamber mystery. Yeah, I like that a lot. Great and term. That I don't know what that means, but that phrase makes sense to me. <laughs> yes. But it implies like you're locked up and stuff. But this movie takes place like across a whole town, and yet it feels like a locked up chamber mystery. You know what I think it is? And I mean, again, this might just be movies, mm? but the core of the movie is this group of people, and there's this elastic effect where the farther someone tries to like, run away from the ensemble, the harder they get snapped back into it. Do you know what I mean? They're all very interconnected. Again, movies. But but there is a a very cause and effect thing in there where you can't... One person isn't just going to disappear for the rest of the movie. And it's as simple as there's an ongoing investigation. Do not leave town. It's as simple as that. There's this invisible fucking barrier placed around the family. (laughs) And they all... None of them want to leave because they want to figure this shit out. Like the will and the, yeah, you know. that's right. So they're all, they're all being held together by these like invisible rubber bands. And the farther you try and like freak out, the more like, and get away, the more they're going to be like, no, you get the fuck back here. Michael Shannon will show up outside of your yes. hand. <laughs> Very threateningly. <laughs> yeah. So I do, it's not bottle episode, but it is a chamber mystery. I, I totally mm. agree. Yeah. It's that... not, it's not that it just takes place in one location, but it's that everything sort of, you know. It's, you know, solar system y revolves around this one. This yeah, one thing. And, it, and it all kind of starts and ends in the same spot. Yeah. Too, so that, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's got that, that so. ar- like, narrative arc to it as well. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I like that. I wanted to mention, I just remembered one other thing that I really liked about mm-hmm. the writing aspect that they said that the major 
the way they like did a cool thing with this movie when it was ready to go of for six weeks they took it to they did a preview screening in six different towns once a okay. week and then talk to the audience and recut it between each one okay um to kind of fit it together the thing that they realized that was like the most important scene was ransom and uh marta in the restaurant right if you believe that ransom is willing to help out marta and all that that if you believe that then the entire movie works if you are even slightly suspicious of it then the whole thing <laughs> then there's will fall nothing apart for you. to the rest of it yeah yeah that's true yeah. Oh, okay I love that. I love that they ended up whittling it down to he's untrustworthy because his sweater has holes in it. <laughs> the, the costume designer, very specifically because there's been so much talk about his sweater, which is great. Yep. Um, I should have prepped like a whole thing. Did you know that there's a bunch of, you know, ap- apocryphal to true, there's a spectrum, but like the patterns on fishing sweaters are familial. So oh. that if they drag your corpse out of the lake, they know. Uh, <laughs> it'd be like taking, you know, like a kilt pattern tartan yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Huh. Very warm. Well, it may be apoc- apocryphal, but I like the cut of that fact's jib, so I will be uh, leaving it from now on. Sailing words. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so the costume designer is talking a lot about this great sweater. She's like, yeah, we had we just like frayed it a little bit mm. and just there are parts of it. And it could speak to like... You know, he's he's kind of implied to be, like, a hard partier, or he, like, doesn't... Mm. He has money, but he's bad at using it, so maybe he doesn't dress himself very well, or, like, he he doesn't take care of his things and yeah. that sort of thing. So it's all, it could all be, you know, character stuff, but it is just like something is not right. The fabric is unraveling. What I thought the pattern was <laughs> is not the right pattern and like something's wrong with it. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was their kind of approach to that, the sweater. Yeah. Which I love. I love that too. That's good. I do remember hearing something in the, the costuming conversation about that, that thing of like, he doesn't know how to take care of stuff. Sure. And it is the kind of thing of, you wouldn't be surprised if he wears something until it is no longer presentable and he just throws it in the throws garbage it out, and yeah. picks up a new thing. 100%, yeah. yeah. Whereas you know that Marta has to, like, repair her shit. Something that, that struck me so much about, still sort of in the costuming department here, but the she only has the one pair of shoes that she yeah. can go out in. And I spent so much of my life, you know, after I moved out, <laughs> wearing $10 pairs of shoes until they literally fell apart yeah. until you could see into them <laughs> from the bottom and that that was such a moment of like yeah she's going to she's going to be wearing the same piece of clothing from the crime scene because she doesn't have another pair of shoes and she couldn't wash them she wouldn't even think to look at them to wash yeah. them or anything like that because they're they're just shoes you just wear the, the shit out of them like yeah, yeah. and you got anyway i i really liked that the, the oh why didn't she cha- she doesn't have another pair of shoes she, she doesn't that's not you know so yep. i liked that good costuming all around oh yeah really. fantastic costuming yes that's when i feel like this has come up on other episodes but very into the idea of costuming as storytelling yeah obviously it's there to like build out your world but when it can like literally inform plot and decision from character is is good yes (laughs) (laughs) i do like that they're all kind of dressed like a clue ensemble like they're all they've each got their own color or whatever but benoit blanc is these kind of beiges and and just like neutral tones it is funny looking at like the posters and i remember specifically like the advertisements for it and 
it's not that you go in and you sit down and you watch the movie and you're like, hey, they're not the same colors and whatever. But watching it this time around is like, it's not nearly as pronounced as the memory of yeah. the costumes actually are. <laughs> with the exception of Jamie Lee Curtis in her bright pink <laughs> yes. pantsuit. That one is Great killer. Great pantsuit, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's good, good job marketing department for sure. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Very distinctive. Mm-hmm. I don't know, I like that line. And it's, I mean, I, I would I would have to rewatch it a couple more times, but looking at okay, like... Okay, let's do it. <laughs> right now! The, you know, when some characters are allying, do they do they wear each other's colors? And oh. like that level, that's the stuff I really enjoy. It would be fun. It would have been good of me to uh, look into whether that's real, whether before I opened my mouth about it. Me too. The episode. Yep. What are we going to do about it? Cry. <laughs> anyway. Uh, just speaking to like the places. So this is all obviously in a house. Yes. And the house looks great. And they did such Marvelous cool things at the house. Yeah. Uh, That's just, a real person's house, right? They didn't build that yeah. for the. Yeah. Okay. They didn't. I don't think they built anything. Huh. No. Yeah. They built no sets whatsoever. Um, they did like a- accentuate stuff. Sure, like sure. The, the sets are so fucking busy. Like they're so full <laughs> of stuff. And no. even like the actors, Don Johnson was is it's funny. Go listen to Don Johnson talk about this movie because it sounds like it's the first experience he's had in his life, where he's just like, <laughs> "Oh, it was great. I walked on set and I turn around and, like every day there'd be something new and I'd see it and I'd like pick it up and I'd look and really take it in and I'd put it back. And the next day I'd come in, be like a whole new thing. Just like yeah, it's just stuff around. That's Don. great, man. <laughs> Have you heard of a set? <laughs> it's he's just so it's funny. so endearing. I love it. It's great. You love to see it. <laughs> If you had to pick a favorite character from Ooh. this cast, who's it going to be? Because I mean, everybody gets their little bits to shine and stuff. And I will yeah. say one thing about this that, like, this might be, I really like this person in the role. Sure. Um, to say that, like, it's all very, it's a mystery, so obviously the plotting is very exact. But all the scenes where they're yelling at each other and fighting, yeah. virtually 100% improvised. Oh, wow. So, like, the stuff where they're chasing Marta out... Uh, after yeah. the will reading, all improvised. Uh, <laughs> I wonder because Tony Collette does scream, I'm not on Instagram anymore. No, she says, I'm not on Twitter, on Twitter anymore. anymore. Didn't right. DM me on Instagram. Right, right, right. <laughs> but it's so clear. I know. <laughs> Clearly, whoever was mixing was like, that's funny. But like, Iota of Shit is a Michael right. Shannon original. Right. Uh, the Anchor Baby line is from Jaden Martell. Oof. Yeah. Which that's like, ooh, I don't like that you thought of I it. don't like that that came to mind, but good job. I don't know about joylessly masturbating to a dead deer. That's too precise. That is but maybe the funniest. I'm going to be furious if I find out that he improvised that uh, line, but joylessly masturbating to pictures of dead deer might be my favorite thing that anyone's ever said about anyone else. I just, uh, it's just, oh, just perfect writing. It's absolutely perfect. Yeah. I just the picture that paints oh, in yeah. every way. <laughs> I don't know how you managed to, like, pin down a character in seven <laughs> words or whatever it is, but... <laughs> There's Tony Collette trying to get Jamie Lee Curtis to dance yeah. earlier on. Also great. Here's the thing. I, I appreciate the question, but I do not know what my answer is. Yeah. Because this cast is so evenly balanced. Like, even the fact that, like, Jaden Martell is not... Doesn't have a lot of lines or screen time, or, you know? Yeah. But still so perfectly... Like, that's the point, almost, is that he's kind of, like, retreated <laughs> away from the family core. You know what I mean? He's goblin. just becoming a Nazi goblin. Yeah. It, it It's that... That makes sense. Like, it's it's all perfectly balanced against each other. Yeah. One, one like 
you know, one respect in which I do prefer this one to the sequel, mm. where the sequel, I do find the cast, each of them individually, wonderful. But I don't, I don't know that it works as well as an ensemble where some people, like, no one dominates in this, this first one. No one is clearly the the star of the ensemble in yeah. that way do you know what i mean like the closest i feel like you could say is christopher Plummer, but it, the movie is supposed yes. to be sure around him he is the focal point of the whole thing obviously yeah so yeah yeah and he just wears so many hats in all of the times we see him right mm-hmm. he's in people's memories is mostly how we see him in these in these flashbacks and yeah. in this one scene with marta yeah, it's it's hard. I don't know. Christopher Plummer's acting is just so good. Yeah, just you I can't love that man. You love it, yeah. and like you said, if that doesn't land, then the emotional core of the the movie, like once you find out what happened, that it's like really very affecting. Yeah, and I remember genuinely getting teary uh, in the watching it for the first time because like what what a thing to happen. Yeah, what a fucking ridiculous, funny. <laughs> Uh, you gotta laugh. Ratch- <laughs> I just simply gotta laugh. I, but he he really sells it in those two. Their their scene really mm-hmm. sells it. So I just I I don't That's know. Fine. Maybe what? him. Stop uh, attacking I- me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Do you did you ask because you have a favorite? Uh, none of such. I just wanted to oh, okay. get your your feeling on like the follow up to that is is there like a favorite little like character moment, character beat, character drop that you really like? I mean. Beep, beep drop the beat i like i said i i once you have seen it once right watching ransom at the will reading is quite something yeah it is because he's just he's almost like his feet are almost dancing he's, he's not getting quite so there. excited he's about so what's gonna thrilled happen. and yeah. he can't even keep this awful smile off his face and but it only it only really works that way once you've seen it once. So it, and honestly, it's it kind of depends what time through. I yeah, joylessly masturbating. It's, yeah, it's, it's great. A perfect little moment. Yeah. <laughs> I although Tony Collette is so rude. Her character is so rude. She's the first one to kind of break the interview format and yeah. go. You two showed up to the party around the same time. If I could pause because I just. Who is that guy? That I think is so great because she's just got this like this fucking frustrated face on the and whole she, time. Like, triple takes almost at him. Yeah. Where she's like, okay, <laughs> what the hell is that? Well, I'm gonna say something. No, I shouldn't. I'm gonna say, but who is that? Yeah, just watching her eyebrows in that one like <laughs> ten second bit is amazing. So I mean fucking talk about range yeah tony collette it's a small moment but a thing that i love in the very opening going back to that interview room is don johnson's introduction he says well everyone idolizes their dad right i don't know do they very much not don't know why i said that <laughs> such a like a perfect like oh this guy doesn't this even... guy's a liar yeah and he has like no all he wants to do is tell you the thing that you're expecting the thing you want to hear yeah a hundred percent yeah it's so great it's just like oh he's nervous but it's like no he's used to just saying whatever and everyone knows someone like this who's like i'm just gonna craft the little words yeah, i'm just of, gonna like, coast through yeah, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i wanted to mention too because i amazed at how well this movie works without it there's like 15 minutes of deleted scenes that were intended oh. for the movie Okay. that explain things like why Walt has a limp and oh yes I remember you telling yeah. me about this once and 
but uh, refresh my memory. So he he has like gambling debts to the mafia, and okay. they shot him in the leg. And this is supposed to be one of those things of like, oh, he's desperate. This is adding to his motive. But like Ricky Lindholm sure. who plays his wife, his wife, who is she is great in this. She only has like one or two moments to shine, but whenever she does, she is the epitome of hysterical. Like white woman. imagine a wasp, like yeah. you know, capitals. That's that like if you look it up in the dictionary, you're gonna see this character. But whenever she speaks about the things that are the odious, like person of the station's kind of uh, words, she she is literally vibrating so much when she does it so yeah. much. Uh, <laughs> but she gets like threatened by the mob at some point, right. and so there's a bit more like, oh, he's very desperate, not just regular a desperate. desperate. I think that honestly would have tipped it over. That that unbalances it a little yeah. bit for me because that's a clear like. Well, if it's kill or be killed, sure, I might suspect this guy above the other. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of hat on a hat where you're like, yeah. oh, he's going to lose his job at the publishing company. And the mob is shooting yeah. in the legs. <laughs> that explains her very funny reaction to when someone kind of comes up behind her unexpectedly at the party to offer her a drink and she just, just yeah, she flips sh- out a little bit, <laughs> shrieks this little tiny lady shriek. Yeah, and she's like, oh, my wife, she's, she's my rock. And yeah. then... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, this this is like all of their motives are ego. That's that's yeah. what I think the the glue is here is that they're all horrible. Yes. They're all so wrapped up in their own shit. Because it's not circumstance, which is what you would normally expect it to be. Yeah. yeah, I like that. Do you know what I mean? Because that's the other cut plot thread would have been a circumstantial thing, oh. which is Tony Collette's business flam is. <laughs> it only gets mentioned I in the opening scene. I forget that word every time. <laughs> Flam. That's flam. That's flam. <laughs> uh, I'm going to bring it back. <laughs> Things are going to be flam from now on. Uh, Mr. Benoit Blanc uses some flam product and gets a rash and looks into it and finds out that the company's bankrupt oh. and is going to go under and he threatens to expose her about it and she's like, everybody knows. So it's kind of uh, like another circumstantial money thing as right. opposed to an a ego desperation. Yeah. 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 Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. No, I I agree with those cuts. I'm I'm a fan. Yeah, like they're they're worked into the movie enough that they were things that were cut out during that like six week. Let's show it to people in various cities. So like, yeah. it's crazy how much how not noticeable it is. Yeah. No, it's it's, it's the performance itself. Like I said, they you, all you have is this like okay, you've got five minutes of sitting in a chair to <laughs> give us this whole backstory, without talking about it. Yeah. Marvelous jobs. That's funny. Less has to be more with these mysteries, right? Like, yeah. if you're writing a mystery script, convoluted has to be just, like, the death of the script. But, like, yeah, because they are, they're just going to be convoluted anyway. There's just knowing, yeah. <laughs> knowing the degree with which. The right type. Yeah. Yeah. I only had one other thing I wanted to mention about, like, the behind-the-scenes-y type stuff. Oh, sure. Uh, all the actors are like, yeah, it's just like a big dumb slumber party. Because <laughs> they all, they're all big stars, so they all have trailers. Sure. But because of the circumstances of where the house was, they had to park so far away. So everyone oh. just stayed in the house in the house and like hung oh, out in the nice. basement, played like trivia games and stuff. <laughs> to the point of like Jamie Lee Curtis like hung out in the kitchen and became like best buds with the owner of the house and like cooked the entire time she was oh, up. So like marvelous. they'd be like, Okay, cut and then Jamie Lee Curtis would run and be like, Who wants cookies? <laughs> Mom! <laughs> Oh my god! I've never been more jealous about a film set than I am right now. God damn it. Quote from the producer Rom Bergman. God, those trailers were a waste of money. (laughs) Thank you, Ron. (laughs) 
I'm I'm assuming everyone had their little PJs, like Jamie Lee Curtis's character has like the silk PJs <laughs> and then like <laughs> Oh, that's so great. Uh, so we'll we'll keep talking about knives out yes. original recipe in a minute, but how would you like to talk a little bit about our thoughts of the little sequel over here? Yes. Go over to the crate of onions here and pick out a glass one. The crate of onions. Yeah. I liked it. <laughs> Neat. Okay, in my reviews. No. I think <laughs> Moving on. I I feel like everyone is they they leaned a lot into the cartoonishness mm. of of some of it and away from the cartoonishness in other parts and mm. I don't feel like it's as balanced a movie as a result. Yeah. But I am not a screenwriter. Um that's just how it struck me. But you're a person who watches movies, therefore your opinion is valid. Indeed. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you for validating me. I will. Um yeah. Some of the, I I think I liked the setup. The yeah, the setup more. It felt more mm. high stakes. Sometimes oh, that yeah. works. Sometimes it doesn't. But it just it just felt like a good sequel thing where the scope is expanding. It's much less yes. chamber mystery, despite being an almost literal bottle mm. episode. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Yeah, I I agree completely, and I'll lead into that. Why I'm so happy to hear you say that in a moment in another way. But I like I like what you said before about I can't I can't remember how you put it, but I, it struck me to what I like felt about it, which is that Knives Out One is a mystery movie that happens to be a comedy, also. Sure. And the second one felt like a comedy movie that happens to be a mystery. Yes, I think that's that's a very reasonable way of putting it. And I mean, I think one can tell from our tones of voice that we currently prefer the first, probably. I do. Yeah. But the it's a very worthy sequel. Like when I my feeling coming out of it was, oh, okay, this has stood up to the the franchise test of you can just put Ben Block and stuff and. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and like it's it's a movie that I could easily just watch on its own, which yeah. is nice. Not it doesn't have to be like part of a like. Are there people out there probably <laughs> just putting on like the fifth Pirates of the Caribbean movie or whatever? You know what I mean? Probably not. You got to watch them together. All but, of this to say, yeah, it it holds up on its own. Yeah, you could just take it on its own merits without having to deal with the first yeah, one. Yeah, it's just a good time at the movies, man. And I, you agreed with me when I said this that it it's watching them back to back. It's crazy how different the tone is. It's wild. Yeah, yes, I you wouldn't think it could be that different. No, but it is. and I can't put my finger on what, how it's different, other than that bit of like it feels more like a straight comedy that's a mystery. Whereas, do you want to hear my theory? Sure. It's because Edward Norton is in it. And there's <laughs> okay. so that not not because of him specifically. I love him. I think he's great. It, there's there's a very clear antagon main antagonist where yeah, there was not <laughs> like and you can tell before you even meet him. Everyone's oh like, yeah, fuck no, no. This guy. yeah, that's not a spoiler. Fuck that guy. Um, it, it, there's a there's a main antagonist in a way that it wasn't obvious there was in the first one. Right. This this idea of like the balanced ensemble. No, there's there is a clear this. It's about this guy. Yeah. In in the second one. That's actually that's a good way to and if I were. Talking to Ryan Johnson, I would want to ask him this question because I feel like this would be a good way around setting the premise of a, of a sequel to something. Yeah, he's just the the photo negative of Christopher Plummer. Yeah, where it's like, <laughs> oh, this is all around this guy, and in the yes. Knives Out, everybody loves him. Knives Out Two, I won't say what anybody thinks of him in the movie, but the audience is clearly intended to not like him very yes, much. Yes, yeah. So. And he's he's the driver. He's the instigator. Whereas Christopher yes. Plummer is, like I said, almost entirely shows up only in people's fabricated stories of yeah. him. And yeah, so they, the energy is almost a photo negative, right? 
yeah. in, in terms of like the character relationships. But yeah, and it, going from like closed in chilly fall time to bright summer open skies yeah. outside time. You expect Mamma Mia to be filming like <laughs> yeah. down the docks, yeah? Yeah, you do. In a good way. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it a lot. And I think, like, you remember those couple of months when they were announcing the cast and everyone was just like, I can't take any more of this. These are all the most magnificent people you could expect to be in these. This is where it is still balanced, like the first one, I think. I think everybody does give a rock solid across the... Like, I I don't think I could choose a favorite of all of them. They're all so goddamn great. (laughs) Like, maybe Kate Hudson is maybe. Kate Hudson's quite good, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But in the same way that, like, Jamie Lee Curtis in this is great. And she's, like, maybe just eking over a little bit above the rest. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny, because you'd think, like, Kate Hudson might be the Tony Collette equivalent, but she's not. That's not the character in this. You'd you'd Mm. think it is, but the the energy is just not the same format. Yeah. 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 Well, I hope that that's sufficiently spoiler-free enough for anybody listening. Go see it. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Enjoy it on Netflix this December. (laughs) Ah, boo! Oh, puke. (laughs) Not even getting paid. I couldn't think of another way out of the topic, though. (laughs) You could just jump out the window. I don't know. Okay. Well, before I do that, um, I wanted to get your opinion on, we talked a little bit about this. You brought up the casting for Knives Out 2. Part of the most exciting fun of this is that these are big movie star fuck around movies. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, they good... are. Well, they are just like I am imagining that everyone is having a slumber party while yeah. making it. Well, I feel yeah, murder mystery styles of oh, we handed Jamie Lee Curtis like a, a piece of paper and... that said her like name oh. and character description. She has to play this for the night. Yes, um, literal. Oh man, did you ever do those? As a kid, or like a young adult or whatever. No. I don't know what was up with my friend group, but we were <laughs> constantly having murder mystery parties. Like, literally, the the setup to Knives Out, or the Glass Onion, is <laughs> that's what we were doing. You could get them in, in kits, and you'd like... You'd oh get your char- you'd, you'd get, get a kits? little envelope. Yeah, you'd get an envelope with your character like a couple of days before. Get your name, your backstory, and so you could like dress appropriately to what they what the character was. And then you'd go around and oh like God. stay in character and mingle and like I don't fucking know. I feel like I'm too cynical. You do. This was in high school, so this mm. was like you're already an idiot around these people, so you're all just being idiots together. Okay. Yeah. What's this? Friends? Is that how it was Friend? Oh. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Friend. <laughs> uh, so yeah, let's talk about some what we want to see in Numero Trois. Yeah. Because uh, I believe I went to check right after we watched Knives Out 2 to be like, ooh, what's the next one going to be like? And Ryan Johnson's quote was, I don't know, I haven't started writing yet. So, <laughs> Mr. Johnson, we're so. here with some ideas. <laughs> do you want to go Take first on some us. stuff? Or do I want to go first on some stuff? I always go first for the double bill, so you you can go first. Sure. Over to you. Uh, I I just wanted a few things that I'd like to see more than actively prescribing stuff. Sure. But I feel like, now that I've said it, the photo negative, like, Glass Onion is good photo negativity of Knives Out for a lot of, like, doing things differently. Yeah. To, like, play on that even more, I would love to see a... uh, A winter version. A winter mystery. (laughs) Ooh. um, Get you in a, like... Uh, uh, chalet when there's been an avalanche and you're all trapped Ooh. or like a hunting cabin and you're out in the boonies like that kind of <gasps> that'd be a great like with the the mounted heads on the wall animal heads yeah yeah, yeah. like I'm you can see it. the set design yes. of that yeah oh, I've been well, walking a little too <laughs> 
he'd be so cold because he likes to be in the south. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> He's never worn anything that isn't linen <laughs> or a pea coat. Yeah. So if nothing else, I want a winter movie because I feel like you should. This should wind up with four Knives Out movies, one for each season. Spring would be the hardest because I feel like spring is just summer spring light. Spring is too precious yeah. for yeah. Mm-hmm. You got, I don't know, people falling in love or something. <laughs> the face you just made. <laughs> um, but no, like a winter movie where it's yeah, just very different from what we've seen so far. I would like. That very a lot. dark. Very at night. Yeah, lots of big shadows and howling stuff. blizzards. Yeah. Yes. Uh, and I just got some actors that I feel like fit the big dumb movie star, but can play like a character who it's running a line of big um, star energy and can do character acting sure. really solidly. So like you get some character actors in there and, and some big movie stars. So this is this is who I want to see. This is who I'd like to see. Bring it on. I want to see a Frances McDormand. Oh, yes. she would be excellent doing anything. Like, yes. it's not even like, I want to see her doing that. <laughs> no, just whatever you want. Make her Benoit Blanc. What do I care? Yeah. <laughs> She'd be great. But my like sister. Oh, now I want it. This is going to be so, I can't, uh, I can't um, have it. It's possible I'm going to be stealing this from you because I think we mentioned this already, but John Boyega, I want to see John Boyega. Oh, yeah, we were talking, yeah. Come and be like a guy obsessed with crypto or something. Like that kind of just like so much enthusiasm, but head empty. Yeah. I yeah. feel like would be a good time. Thinking when I was thinking about the cabin stuff, I think that a good solid like games keeper or really good outdoorsy guy get jeff bridges in there oh yes he's very funny i yes. i mean i we all have seen uh oh big lebowski yeah <laughs> thank you oh my god <laughs> you know the movie we've all seen or all extremely familiar with i can't remember Yes. yes, but he's, yeah, True Grit. He's so fucking funny yes. in True Grit. He's so funny. Yeah. yeah, and that's the exact energy of, like, he yeah. puts on a funny voice, but you still believe he's him as a character. He's a little drunk, yeah. <laughs> uh, I want to see Holly Hunter in one of these. I think that she oh, would yes. kill it. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I want to see a Michelle Yeoh, because I want to see Michelle Yeoh in everything. <laughs> True, yeah. I want to see Ray Fiennes. Ooh, I want to okay. see him coming in. Yeah. Because, like, think about him from Grand Budapest Hotel, just, like, a snobby Proper jackass. as hell, yeah. Oh, I would love it so much. <laughs> so tasty. Mm, yum, 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 yum. <laughs> uh, I want to see, maybe in, like, the Christopher Plummer-styled role, Albert Brooks, I think, would be wonderful. <laughs> just, like, yeah. you kind of want to just watch him all the time, but you're not sure why. He is a very compelling person yeah. to me. Yes. And like, lastly, and I think this could fit the, like, the Anna Diarmais kind of, like, main character energy is sure. uh, lesser known, but Atia Surkar, who plays Vicky from The Good Place, I think is what I know her best from. The demon Vicky. Oh, oh yeah. She's, Vicky. She just has, like, a really good stompy energy to her. <laughs> she's a little powerhouse. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if she's a small person, like, tall-wise, <laughs> but she, it seems like. A lot of energy in a small package. Yeah. Nice. I think that that would come in very handy in this environment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's really funny. I like that. Yeah. So that's what I got in mind. And uh, for the mystery, okay. a murder happens and they got to figure it out. That's my plot line for <laughs> Knives Out 3. And that's why you'll be writing Knives Out 3. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my God. Okay. okay. Lay it on me. What you got? Okay. Well, I I didn't go the... I, I, I'm glad that... He leaned so hard on, well, not even lean on, just took from Agatha Christie uh, for this because I think it should go back to the 
almost Hitchcockian. Like if you're gonna if if you're gonna go with this inspiration, put it on a fucking train. Put uh, oh, put God, the murder on course. a train. Like just do murder on the Orient Express for real. Like make it silly on purpose, but mm. like so you can let your guard down and let the the thriller part of it happen or whatever. And that's I want a train movie. There's a thing that I didn't mention earlier on, which is that they wanted the reason that the first act is all setup stuff is because he wanted to be like, here is the tropes and everything that you're used to, mm. and Act Two is going to be super different, but you're yeah. couched in all these tropes that you feel safe, you yes. don't feel alienated, and yes. that would be the same thing. I feel like. Totally. Yeah. Yes. You ha- you understand. I mean, maybe it's not even Murder on the Orient Express I'm thinking of so much. It's um, The Lady Vanishes. Oh, yeah. Which is a great early Hitchcock where these people, a, a, you know, an ensemble who don't really all know each other are on a train. They're between point A and point B. That lady vanishes. one of them disappears. (laughs) She's nowhere to be found on the fucking train. And there's a replacement who is just like another lady that like is roughly the same age. A a passenger is just sitting where she was. And her seatmate is like, that's not the same person. She's like, I was here the whole time. Like, it's it's just so good. It's so good. It's a really good thriller movie. Um, So I want want some of that. That's kind of what I'm thinking of. Where it is just this like, okay... She can't have disappeared. It's not possible. So what did happen? And like work back and tease it out from there. No one's allowed to get on or off. So it is more of a bottle episode. And I know that that can be kind of a cheap way to like keep everything in play. I don't care. I want it. (laughs) I want that. Um, I would, I feel like I've, I've mentioned her before. What is her name? Um, Oh yeah. Rosa Salazar, I think is great. And oh, I think she should me. be in more stuff. She's, uh, you, uh, Alita battle angel. Yes. Yes. Thank she's you. She's that, that actress and yeah. other stuff, but she's so good. And mm. I think she could really sell this, like, you know, she, kind of vulnerable, but like able to take charge of stuff. Mm. Um, I think she'd, she'd be a fun match for Daniel Craig, maybe as like a younger, you know, counterpart. Mm. Um, yeah. And I would like to see, see, I horribly, you know, time stamping it so thoroughly, (laughs) but so, you know, after COVID restrictions start coming out, these people are all going on vacations. They're all on a vacation, you know, one of these like nice modern European round train trip kind of things and this murder mystery happens and and i i can't get now i can't get john John boyega being the crypto guy out of my head that's so perfect but like the you know i want andrew garfield in there i think that he's really funny but he he kind of has like he could play a dark character a little bit like a you know i feel like he's got that energy that you're almost always on his side even when you know he's bad yeah Yeah. you're like i wouldn't be that surprised if he turned out to be the murderer do you know what i mean but look at his flippy hair (laughs) he's so flippy it's funny that you said ray finds because i was thinking about this but i settled on jason isaacs I think mm. he's a great, like, mm. he's very, he can be very standoffish and very, like, untrustworthy at, at the get-go, but then he's a great actor and he can kind of blow that open a little mm. bit. <laughs> um, I <Nice>. think <laughs> Lupita Nyong'o kind of feels like a no-brainer oh, yeah. for these because she's she's so, like, yeah, she's just great in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I... Was debating between Jake Johnson or Charlie Day. <laughs> I think Charlie Day would make a really good, like, 
flustered train driver, like the, uh, yes, the conductor absolutely. of the train, you know what I mean? I can't not just, he's just wearing his, like, an always sunny outfit <laughs> with an engineer cap on. And that's yeah, it. exactly. Yeah. He's just being the, the yeah. Um, I feel like we should see uh, Jennifer Aniston in one of these at some point. Oh, She's really funny. That makes sense, I actually, like her yeah. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, nice. uh, I can't really... I feel like everyone that I'm going to pull from is from, like, stuff that I grew up with, and so it is kind of funny and familiar to see them in it, but, uh, yeah. I feel like that's what the first one was, and the second one was much more... No, I guess it was kind of a split. It was like, here's it's some... It's a little bit split, yeah. To say, legacy actors <laughs> um, and, and current We're making them feel piece. so old. Oh, yes, it's not that time. they will ever listen to this. No, they but... all listen to this. I was talking to Kate Hudson yesterday. Oh, shit. <laughs> Kate, come and hang out with me when I'm free on Thursday. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so that's that's the kind of energy I would like for for a third knife. Nice. Yes, I did not think of yeah. That's a good because I feel like the setup of ah, it isn't this though, but I f- it does feel like the setup of the first one is like this is why they're all trapped, and I mean it's right. an invisible boundary. Yes, but they're not trapped, but because I think none one of them the reasons, wants to leave. Yes, I think one of the reasons that mysteries do feel like of that time more than now is because there is that element of. You can't get away or you can't, like, get the right help or proof in the moment that you, like, it's just cell phones ruin everything is what it is. Yes, exactly. Like, yeah, there has to be some, you know, it's the Star Trek thing of, like, why doesn't the teleporter or teleporter? <laughs> right. Transporter. Transporter work this week. Um, you have to remove one fix from the situation. And, like, people under pressure like that is a very interesting part of, of thriller movies. Yeah. And I feel like Benoit would have a good time with that. It's all about what Benoit needs. That's what we're here to provide. Indeed. He deserves a skiing trip. <laughs> yes, he does. Again, just in a little toque. There you just go. Just screaming sweet beans and flying down skis. <laughs> I mean, if we're going to be honest, it's the masturbating joke. And then sweet beans is my sweet favorite beans. line. <laughs> sweet beans. I'm going to put that as my ringtone. <laughs> I'll call you endlessly. Right. <laughs> uh. It's a very bad uh, behavioral. Ah. <sighs> Uh, so that's all I got on Knives Out stuff. How how yeah. about you tell us your final takeaway on this movie? I just love that it's it's like a send up of a thing, but it's also the thing itself. And I I yeah. just think it's so deft. And like you can have your problems with you know oh I don't like that it mentioned Twitter or Donald <laughs> Trump or whatever. I, I don't actually say his name. That's true. <laughs> it could be anyone. It's going to be so tragic if that <laughs> turns out to be like any one of. Several presidents in the next. Anyway, it's fine. Um, whatever. I don't care about that. The I I think that it's a wonderful. It does. I know Ryan Jensen has said this because there was like TIFF press for it. Trying to outsmart the audience is a fool's game. Yeah. There's always going to be at least one person in the audience who is as smart as, if not more, than you. Yeah. So don't. Don't put that on yourself or on them. Don't treat them like idiots. It's not going to work. They don't like that. Mm-hmm. Just tell them and let things develop from there, yeah. you know? So I I appreciate that so much. And I think that it's a great example of, like, that exact thing. Like, yeah, I know you know the tropes. I know you're not a fucking idiot. It's the year 2022. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know you've seen a murder mystery or a movie. Yeah. <laughs> And just and uh, letting you live in that world and go from there. Nice. That's what I love about it. How yeah. about you? Well, much the same. Very like, good. Yeah, it is for me. It's the 
I like, I don't even like mysteries that much. I like thrillers <laughs> a lot. That's, okay, that's kind sure. of where I really very much feeling the tropiness of all this. Yes. But it, like the plot of it, it's funny going back to watch this. This is the first time we've watched it. Oh, no, we probably watched it last year or something. Mm-hmm. But it was long enough that I forgot a lot of the moment, the plot moments in it. And it's because I don't give a shit. Yeah. Like, <laughs> They're not the be-all, end-all. It's the characterization. Yeah, it's just the plot's just there to be a little skeleton framework to put your character meat on. Gross. Oh, it got worse <laughs> every word. All right. Think I got a clip for this episode. <laughs> um. <laughs> Slap on the meat. Slap on the meat. <laughs> Sweet beans! Anyway, yes. More than the characterization, my favorite is all of the... Everything coming to clash. Like, mm. the characters are all great. The reason I love all the characters is because of what they scream at each other in <laughs> yeah. the midst of everything. Fair. It's putting everyone in the pressure cooker and just seeing how they react to the situation. And then when you know the mystery, it works great to be like, oh, I see. Oh, yeah, okay. That's, that's totally how, how this oh, would yeah, person. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as a bonus, it's painting rich, conservative, white people's greedy morons. So uh, long-time listeners will know I like that. <laughs> it's my favorite flavor of movie. It is. It's true. Um, yeah. So with all that in mind, you, as foreshadowed earlier, Erin always tells us her double bill first. And now she'll do that. As the prophecy foretold, <laughs> here I go. I'm gonna this I debated about this for a long time but I think it's good actually now that I come to talk about the movie a lot good uh this is also a movie that is both a send-up of and one of the specific type of movie and of storytelling Mm. I'm gonna pair it with Scream from 1996 the original Scream do you like that I do like that I went back and forth on this all week great um I'm a genius. Yeah. So it's it's a movie that is very specifically about how horror movies are silly. Yeah. And yet manages to be a very engaging, funny, not not joking like they they latch onto the things that do work about the genre mm. and allow you to like, you know, play with the things that are that are silly or unrealistic or whatever. Yeah. Um and it works both as a like a parody and as an actual horror movie. And how many horror movies have actually been modeled on Scream? It's just yeah. like turned into a whole thing, right? Um Yeah, I I'm gonna pair it with that because I think they're both they're both like Knives Out isn't an art movie by any stretch of the imagination, but I think it is, you know, deftly crafted mm-hmm. in its way. And but so is Scream. But it's fun. Yeah, you know, it's so fun. The fun is in watching like all of these dominoes fall and kind of watching a, a conclusion that you know has to be the case. Right? But it's but, it's a mystery without drawing attention to the fact that it's a mystery too. Like exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's just people trying to get through this situation. <laughs> Um, and it's, it really is like such a loving little send up of, of the type of movie that it's launching off of. And it's such a time capsule, right? Like it's just extremely, yeah, the hair alone. (laughs) I'm picturing Drew Barrymore right now. Yes. (laughs) Again, just like almost stunt casting to to the point of, you know, if you're going to have Jamie Lee Curtis in like a murder mystery movie in a big house. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> anyway. I still remember watching that with you the first time, and I started the movie thinking that 
Drew Barrymore was the main character yeah. of the movie. Because of how she's on all the posters yeah. and the and movie then opens with her. <laughs> we got a certain portion in the movie and I was like, Aaron, did you know this? <laughs> I did know this. And I learned something that day. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so funny like imagine that's got it that's the equivalent of psycho like you you know you kill yeah. off your leading lady your very famous leading lady another movie i did not know the twists of when we watched it the first time look for an episode on psycho coming from garbage soon <laughs> where we get to just talk about how you managed to avoid that twist for all these years it's quite anyway. the tale of me not knowing something <laughs> Oh yes, yeah, so I will. So there you go. Uh, yeah, that's that's what I want to pair it with because they both seem equal amounts of fun, just different flavors of fun. Yes. And Scream is a very like teens hanging out like summer movie, and yeah. then you have you know people in their thirties and forties wearing <laughs> sensible wool coats, and that's my jam too. They're both they're both great. They're just different flavors. And then is Scream is the like the cynical teen version of the and then you grow up you put away childish things like ghost face masks and take your knives out <laughs> they both have knives in them yeah over to you thank you so much uh for me i am definitely taking knives out as as always when we say arty and trashy these are just simple labels to to kind of help us along the way there's no judgment attached to either of those no. but knives out is the trashy one for me where it's Here's it's your, fun. your tropey time. Yeah. You're meant out. to giggle. Yep. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to pair this with an old school mystery thriller uh, from the 40s, from 1943. Okay. Le Corbeau from uh, director Henri-Georges Clouseau. Be- oh, yes. Because. Nice. Okay. Nice. Well, I'll read the little, the little blurb here. I feel sure, like. Sure, sure, sure. Cluzo is he's the guy that did Wages of Fear. Yeah. That's what he's most famous to know for. And, and Diabolique and probably. Corbo is the third behind that. Sure. Um, so this is earlier than those, so 43, quite early. But uh, here's the little blurb. A doctor in a French town becomes the focus of a vicious smear campaign as letters accusing him of having an affair and performing unlawful abortions are mailed to village leaders. The writer assigns each letter as Le Corbeau, that means the raven, uh, who soon targets the whole town, exposing everyone's secrets to everyone. Nice. No, yeah. So the reason That's... I paired these guys together is because I don't give a shit about the mystery. And like by the time <laughs> I know what the mystery is, like I remember, you know, this is back when, you know, mysteries were still new. So you know who the Corbo is in the last 15 minutes. And then they're like, and it was that one. Uh-huh. And like, yeah, yeah. I don't care. Okay. All right. So it's the lead up to that. That's the fun part for me where it is just characters who you're meeting. You meet all these characters and then... Let's disturb their shit and see what happens for Shake an hour. Shake the ant yeah. cage. Cage? Yeah. Uh, airplane. Where cage you airplane. cage your ants, yeah. <laughs> it's just a straight up like suspense thrillery kind of thing. Like yeah. every time a letter shows up, there's a like, oh, what's going to happen a this time? Flurry, like who is it going to be? What are we going to find out? People almost do get excited to see yeah. them where it's like, oh shit, oh, oh shit. Here it comes. Um, yeah. But it becomes... This it's an incredibly timely story. Like the, between it, it's mm. just the like the shit mixing up mystery and the fact that like Knives Out is a twenty nineteen movie period. Yes. Uh, this is very much of its time where like it was very much a political statement about 
why we don't talk about abortions and that sort of thing in the 40s. And it got banned for several years because of that. And um, I mean, it's also very much like it's 1943 France. Like, yeah. you know, not a great time and place. And it just this very like, are you going to turn on your neighbor or yeah. not? Which was a real streak in French filmmaking for a while there. Understandably so. Yes. A lot yep. of stuff going on there. Google 1943 France. Do not no, Google. Don't do that. <laughs> or turn, turn this off and go to bed if you don't. It is past your bedtime <laughs> if you have not. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Uh, go watch Le Corbeau. Yes, definitely. It's a good one. Uh, and it's it's got its great little... You can tell by the way it's shot who's going to receive the letter. and that You know, it, yeah. it's, it's just got those cool little moments. <laughs> like, <gasps> you know, spine-tingling little shot. Oh, no, an envelope. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and this very fun thing of, like, an envelope floats down from the church roof during a funeral. Yes. Who could possibly have gotten up there? It's that so kind of theatric. Stuff. So it's Phantom of the Opera. Very for, much, yes. You know, yes. Yeah. It's great. So the same In a good way. sort of, like... Yeah, over-the-top-on-purpose dramatics yeah. to, to, like, prove point. Not even prove points, but to just, like, yeah, to really make Heighten something drama. of what would have ordinarily been a very regular-ass thing, yeah. handing somebody a letter. Yes. For instance. The letters aren't just letters. Mm -hmm. That's a great choice. Yeah. They're all, because it's just a matter of time before, like one of them cracks kind yeah. of thing in both movies, you yep. know? <laughs> I love that. That's I really have the good. same feeling of both as you're getting toward the end of, like, you can feel the, like, the, the funneling up of everything where you're like, it's all coming together, but I can't see the final yeah. thing. And yeah. it almost doesn't matter. It's not like you have to figure it out before the other person does or yeah. whatever. It's just, are they going to get out of this in time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, so go watch some early French cinema. Early. Earlier. Earlier. Cinema. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and I think that'll do us for this year episode, so why don't we wrap up? I would love it, and I think Aaron would love it too, if you rated re and reviewed us on your podcast platform so that uh, more people find the show. You know what? I would love that. Good, I'm glad. I didn't mean to speak for you, so. I you... just had to get my, my piece in there. Yeah. Thank you so much. Don't do it again. Um, I feel like I'm closing a council meeting or something. Who <laughs> <laughs> seconds the end of the meeting? Yep. <laughs> so um, ordered. <laughs> Uh, find us on that social media at Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Aaron, you can be found at... Maclebase, M-A-C-L-E-B-A-S-S. -S. I like that you handed me the mic almost. Yeah, there. that was nice. Leading question I was interview style. <laughs> Thank you. And Billy Eichner over here. <laughs> I'm a man near a street. <laughs> Where can we find you? On the street at Dick Arnavis. <laughs> and uh, come on next time for another pile of garbage. You think I'm not going to fight to protect my home, our birthright, our ancestral family home? <laughs> that, that, that is hooey. You know, Holland, he bought this place in the 80s from a Pakistani oh, real estate shut billionaire. Up, shut up, Shut <laughs> up!